0: there planet earth and happy friday thank god it's friday as some would say although it's always friday with me stephen fry your smb guy ICYMI, am i which is in case you missed it smb stands for small and medium-sized business i've been engaged with smb's various different ways over the last 20 years now. If you like SMB-related discussion, I have the best team of folks here on talkradio.myc. You should definitely engage with the other shows that are on the, on the network here today, between Tommy D, Philanthropy and Focus before me, Jeremiah Fox on the entrepreneurial web after me, and Joseph Franklin McElroy on Wise Content Creates Wealth later on this afternoon. I did want to give a quick shout out before we get moving here today to Kathleen Day and her organization, Five Out of Five. I had interviewed Kathleen a little while back. We've been doing some great work together, developing some back office systems to really help my efforts, especially when it comes to getting a great show out to you guys. So thank you so much, Kathleen. Really appreciate it. Over the last two decades, I've noticed that some of the best thought leadership for SMBs happens on Friday when we feel the freedom of the weekend coming. However, we are all so anxious to get the weekend moving and feel that freedom from work and uh, really embrace those fun weekend activities. We forget these pearls of wisdom that we come up with on Friday in favor of all of that weekend fun. On Always Friday, we want to take advantage of the weekend freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics that are on the minds of our SMB leaders and their trusted advisors. Coincidentally, my last name means free in German. So again, this isn't just a play on words here, people. There is a little bit of deeper meaning. I'm feeling free. I've got my shades on. I want to get this party started. I hope you guys do too. Today's topic of discussion is can we talk about employment? Little play on words there. When SMBs have employees that they need to recruit, onboard, and manage, it is absolutely best practice to have a consistent process and approach to your human capital. If there's inconsistency, SMBs tend to have some employee dysentery. One topic throughout the country that's been very inconsistent over the last decade is the legalization of medicinal and recreational cannabis on a state-by-state basis. My home state of New Jersey recently became the 14th state, I believe, to legalize recreational cannabis. Some folks are celebrating a long-fought battle that has been won. Some folks are scared to see what comes next in the world of smbs and the management of human resources there have been an inordinate amount of questions raised regarding best practices around this subject that's really been traditionally taboo and now it's more mainstream who can you speak with for guidance on this increasingly complicated subject well my special guest law firm has experienced attorneys who support human resources departments and regularly handle day-to-day issues and questions that arise concerning employees including inquiries around the subject of legal cannabis and the workplace. I thought this was an extremely appropriate holiday, was an extremely appropriate week to speak about this because of cannabis enthusiasts celebrated the holiday of 420 this week on good old April 20th. Some say that the 420 is the code amongst police officers for marijuana smoking in progress or possession with intent to distribute. However, according to the article, here's the real reason we associate 420 with weed. It was published in Time Magazine by Olivia Waxman, April 16, 2016. It said the most credible story of where the 420 discussion came from traces back to Marin County, California in 1971. Five students at San Rafael High School would meet at 4.20 p.m. by the campus's statue of chemist Louis Pasteur to partake. They chose that specific time because extracurricular activities had usually ended by then. This group became became known as the Waldos because they met at a wall. They would say 4.20 to each other as their code for marijuana. In 1998, the outlet acknowledged that Waldos were the inventors of the 420 discussion. So in quick summary, they basically wanted people all over the world to get together on one day each year to basically collectively smoke pot at the same time, the same way that they used to know to do it in high school, right? All these little known facts that you guys didn't, weren't aware of. So while we're on talkradio.myc, we do not want this to just be about talk. The goal here is let's use the insight on the SMB landscape, take it, and make some impact come Monday morning. Far too often, SMBs are focused on the product that's going to solve their problems. The shiny new mousetrap, the magic wand. In my travels, products change every single day, every other facet of our lives, personal and business. No substitute for having the right people all around us, keeping a focus on the process that's going to help you achieve your goal. If you focus on people first, then process, I believe the right products will present themselves when they are needed by the SMB. Everything begins and ends with people so in the spirit of surrounding yourself with the right people we have a great show for you here today our special guest is none other than stephen trimbley founding member of the law firm Trimbley and Prusinowski. So Mr. Trimbley specializes in labor and employment law on behalf of management representing public and private sector employees in the full range of labor and employment law issues. His practice also includes commercial litigation, administrative law, occupational safety and health law, interest arbitration, police and fire disciplinary hearings, pension law disputes, appeals, wages and hour law, and EEO compliance. Stephen is a member of the New Jersey chapter of the Federal Bar Association and regularly reports on labor and employment law developments in the Third Circuit. He's a graduate of Johns Hopkins University and the New York University School of Law. Stephen has been recognized by the Partnership for Drug-Free New Jersey for his unwavering dedication to the substance abuse prevention community of New Jersey. He serves on the Board of Directors of Preferred Behavioral Health and the Board of Directors of Oaks Integrated Care. He is recognized by super lawyers and best lawyers in America and in labor and employment law. Stephen is one of the most ideal people to discuss the topic of the day today and as always we're going to hit my favorite three questions. Who's your favorite movie or TV show character? What's your favorite movie or TV show? And what is your favorite musical instrument? And who is the artist you'd like to hear play it? You guys are going to have some maybe some new answers that you've never heard before. So, Stephen, welcome to Always Friday. Phenomenal to have you on the
1: show, my friend. Thank you for having me, Mr. Fry. I'm glad to be here. So do us all a favor.
0: Please share with us briefly here how you got to where you are today, your own practice. I know you got started right around the financial crisis, and you guys are still growing and thriving today. You know, lay it on us. How, how, tell us about your travels.
1: Well, travel started in 1983 when I graduated from law school. Uh, At the time, uh, the labor and employment practice was predominantly dealing with labor unions, but as the time went on, the union side of the practice decreased and the regulatory, uh, statutory side of the practice increased. We're dealing directly with government, with regulations in the workplace, including what we're going to discuss today, regulations dealing with uh, uh, cannabis use or non-use even. And uh, so, in we, my partner and I were, and a third attorney were members of a, an employment law practice at a firm here in Morristown, New Jersey. Uh, we decided to break off on our own in 2008. Our timing was impeccable because we opened our practice on November 1, 2008, just as the economic crisis hit um, a worldwide economic crisis. Uh, we not only survived, we thrived and grew to where we are today. Uh, the third attorney left to become Morris County prosecutor, uh, and uh, Jim Prusinowski and I have continued ever since. Uh, we are now in the middle of another worldwide crisis in which uh, we were called upon to advise clients and deal with them on how to deal with the ever-changing uh, COVID emergency orders, uh, how it affected employment, uh, uh, working at home versus uh, working and working remotely rather than working in the office, and. Uh, Despite, uh, again, a worldwide crisis and a pandemic, we continue to uh, thrive and do well. And we think that that is a reflection of the service we provide to our clients.
0: Absolutely. And I would expect uh, the growth to continue with a lot of the... Uh questions and uncertainties and inconsistencies that are going on out there, both with, you know, the pandemic uh, ramifications, as well as the legalization of recreational and medicinal cannabis. So, you know, without further ado, I want to dive into a little bit of just a quick story from from my perspective, and I always like to sit out by my fire pit that I had put in last year, but, you know, there's, there's I, I feel like I could talk about this topic a great deal with you, as, you know, both somebody who's had some exposure to the, you know what's been coming up as far as the legalization in the state of New Jersey, but you know, just seeing how small, medium-sized business owners, their management, and employees, you know, deal with human capital on a normal basis. So, I've attended a bunch of events in recent years revolving around the SMB community and the impending legalization in the state of New Jersey. Uh, legal uh, industry groups like the New Jersey uh, Canada Business Association, if you've ever heard of that uh, organization, that promotes jobs and growth in a sustainable and responsible. New Jersey cannabis industry. Any of those events that I went to, very knowledgeable people, lots to contribute, you know, to a very meaningful topic. There's also, you know, plenty of stoners there that are just looking to get in on some type of action where they think they can capitalize and have some type of multi-million dollar business just because they like cannabis. Mm-hmm. But going back, you know, 20 years ago, when I was preparing to graduate from the University of Maryland, I distinctly remember saying that cannabis studies was going to be a college major sometime in my in my life and mm-hmm. everyone said i was insane well they might have been onto to something but stockton university in southern new jersey became the first state to offer a cannabis studies program with a minor in 2018 and as you would expect the school has seen significant interest in the program and it is going to continue expanding probably by leaps and bounds. Mm -hmm. So, but big challenge for the SMB community that I've seen happening, and I'm sure you have too, Steve, over the past decade is it's really, it's hard enough for human resources departments and their professionals to keep up with traditional HR processes processes and tasks without the climate of what an employer can and cannot do with respect to cannabis moving forward. These Mm -hmm. folks need some very serious help. So one place that folks turn to for these questions is the Society of Human Resources Management, or SHRM for short. There's an article that I saw from HR magazine, uh, Marijuana and the Workplace, It's Complicated. Rapidly changing state laws have created a haze of confusion, no pun intended, for concerned employees uh, by Tamara Lytle. This was published again, August 28, 2019, fall 2019 issue of HR magazine. It says cannabis has long been heralded for calming properties, but lately having quite the opposite effect on HR professionals as they navigate the myriad state laws. And court cases affecting the controversial substance to create drug testing policies and procedures. You know, possession or use of marijuana remains illegal under federal law, but state laws are changing at a dizzying speed, including some that now limit a company's ability to fire an employee for failing a drug test. As I'm sure Steve and I will talk about, state law can supersede federal law, especially as it relates to, you know, human human resources and things like that. It happens all the time. So, courts have begun siding with workers to, who say their off duty use of cannabis for medical reasons led to their unfair dismissal. Recent court cases have left employers facing discrimination charges for taking action against workers who flunk marijuana tests. State laws aside, Experts agree that employers have a right to implement a drug free workplace so some quick best practices for HR don't tolerate marijuana use on the job just as you wouldn't tolerate alcohol use. Think carefully about the type of test your company uses and stay on top of developments in the technology of testing for companies operating in different states know that the testing policies may need to vary by location. Educate employees about the company marijuana use policy and the repercussions for failed tests, including random post-accident or reasonable suspicion tests. Train managers to spot signs of impairment. And last, but certainly not least, talk to a lawyer about relevant state laws before setting policies and testing rules. And we are going to do just that today. We're going to be right back after the commercial break with Stephen Trimbley founder of Trimbley and Prusinowski, attorneys at law. Stay with us.
2: You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day.
0: Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? Welcome back, everyone. It's Friday. It's always Friday. It's me, Stephen Fry, your SMB guy. We're talking with Stephen Trimbley, founding member of Trimbley and Prusinowski, LLC law firm located in Morristown, New Jersey, also with an office in New York City. So Steve, this is the method part of our show. This is where we like to talk about what do you do, how do you do it, how do you go to market for it. And you know, before we kick this off, just a quick picture of, of Steve and his partner Jim right behind me. You know, Steve and Jim have been working together for over 15 years and you know, really catering to the employment law type of field. The firm and its attorneys are very well aware of the ever-changing environment that most SMBs are confronted with, you know, with respect to new laws and court decisions. But as it relates to the cannabis world, it's this, some of this is sort of uncharted waters. So, Steve, great pleasure to have you here once again.
1: Right, and again, I appreciate it. Um, What I do and how do we do it? Um, We view ourselves as trusted advisors. Uh, We, we like to think of ourselves as, a, as a specialists who get involved, who try to get involved before the problems uh, arise uh, rise to the level of litigation, uh, prevention being better than uh, a pound of cure, as, as we know. Um, with regard to this particular area uh, and cannabis law and the changes in the law, it is hard to overstate the sea change and mentality that it pro- provides for employers uh, for decades drug use was considered a major offense in the workplace it was something that all employers were encouraged to uh to deal with drug testing was urged um it got a great impetus from the federal mandated uh, drug testing for cdl holders commercial drivers uh, railroad employees and such and although the courts were suspicious of drug testing very early on uh as time wore on into the late 80s, into the 1990s, drug testing became more accepted in the workplace uh, as testing became more reliable, as procedures were put into place and adopted to uh, assure privacy and assure uh, test results. Uh, drug testing and uh, discipline of those who tested positive was, uh, became standard practice in, in uh, the employment world. Um, You know, it's... yeah. yeah. I was
0: just thinking it's you know, there there's so many questions that, that come around all of this. Like, yes, there's you know plenty of employers that have drug testing programs and all that, yeah. but with you know, all of this legislation coming into effect and you know, again, so somewhat uncharted waters. Mm-hmm. I, I I can't help myself, Steve. I saw this meme on Facebook the other day and I had to put it up here. So mm-hmm. the idea of recognizing impairment at the workplace, yeah. it's like it says this picture is it has a bunch of rocks with a basic face formation. It says, Hey bro, be honest, do I look stoned? You know. And I've used this picture a bunch in the last couple of weeks. I'm a big movie fan. I like the big Lebowski. It's my face yeah. on the dude. You know, life, life's got to go on, man. But can people like, you know, at this point, if you're, if they're trying to make sure people aren't impaired in the workplace, it's not yeah. like you can go to somebody who's dressed like the dude in the big Lebowski and go, Hey, I think you might be impaired. We gotta, we got we gotta check you out.
1: Right. Right. And um, for, for most of the past 20 years or so, that was that aspect was overlooked because the attitude of the courts was uh, controlled substances are illegal and employers shouldn't assume need to assume that a drug user is going to limit his drug use to off-duty time work. So the issue that lays behind much of what we're going to talk about today, the fact that the use may have occurred a week or so ago, and I'm testing positive now, wasn't really a concern uh, because by and large it was considered illegal activity and The courts are willing to look the other way on that particular issue. Now we get to the world of legalized cannabis. We started with uh, medical marijuana. In uh, 2019, New Jersey adopted a law, the so-called Jake Honig Compassionate Use Medical Cannabis Act, which uh, adopted sort of a two-step process for employees who tested positive for marijuana. First, you had to tell the employee in writing that the employee had tested positive for marijuana and had three days either to request a retest of the original sample or to produce a justification for the positive result, which could include uh, a medical marijuana certificate. Um, now, at that point, the law didn't say anything further about what would happen if what would happen other than stating that the no. No New Jersey employer would be required to violate a federal law requirement, and what the courts have simp- have done has treated the medical marijuana uh, certification as a, a form of disability discrimination. You have to balance the uh, the reasonable accommodation to the employee's needs versus the impact and the undue burden on your business. If the employer's use of marijuana could Be demonstrated to show that there was a possible threat to safety in the workplace, then you would not need to accommodate it. But if the employee could demonstrate that I have a desk job, if I'm still under the influence, I'm not going to be a threat, I'm not going to, or harm the business, the employer would be expected to accommodate. The recreational law that's now in effect in New Jersey takes us even a step further. Uh, In fact, from our research shows that this that the New Jersey protections for employees are unique in the country. So this is going we have become in a sense a test case. Uh, first, it does not allow an employer to decline uh, employment to an applicant simply because they tested positive for cannabis. Uh, second, uh, it uh, places limitations on what an employer can do with regard to cannabis. It cannot discriminate, against an employee because he does or does not use cannabis products solely for that reason. Uh, and there are limitate, although drug testing is still permitted within, within, uh, specific limitations, a positive test is not enough for cannabis. You must have independent evidence that the employee has, uh, is showing current signs of impairment and that, uh, determination must be made by a certified workplace uh, impairment recognition expert based on a program that the state uh, Cannabis Regulatory Commission is in the process of developing. Now, all those protections apply only to legal cannabis, and uh, which is cannabis sold uh, under the highly regulated and structured cannabis marketing system that the state is implementing. It does not apply to black market marijuana, Although in a drug test in the workplace, uh, it's it's going to be difficult to tell which is which. So as a practical matter, this is going to be the new standard for employers once uh, lawful cannabis uh, is on the market. Now, this, as I said, this is a a broad restriction is not seen anywhere else in the country. And it raises interesting questions for an employer, uh, which... To begin with, whether it is worthwhile to continue to test for this substance unless you have either a federal law requirement, in which case the federal law still controls. So testing for commercial uh, uh, vehicle drivers who hold CDLs is still gonna be mandatory. But for general office staff, uh, you have to ask yourself the question, other than cases of workplace impairment, do you even want to have a testing program for cannabis anymore? Bearing in mind that these restrictions only apply to the cannabis, do not apply to other forms of illegal control substances like heroin, uh, methadone or uh, methamphetamines. Nothing like building the
0: plane in the air for the state of New Jersey, right? It's like they have right. to have a workplace impairment recognition expert, but the program's not even designed yet. So, right. yeah, New Jersey differing a little bit, like, like you said, Steve, as far as... You know the way that other states that have legalized medicinal and recreational cannabis, you know somewhat using us as a guinea pig and not in the way that a lot of stoner folks would think is fun. I saw this uh, map of the country and I think it might even be a little bit dated, mm-hmm. but it was it was going over states where there was some type of legislation, some type of program, something going on, and it's really and again, I believe this map's a little dated, it's mm-hmm. the majority of the country. so mm-hmm. a subject that has traditionally been extremely taboo in conversation. Mm -hmm. It's almost getting to be taboo to not talk about it.
1: Right. I heard yesterday that 60 percent of America lives in a state where some form of marijuana is lawful, quote unquote, lawful. Um, We exist in something of a twilight zone because it is still a federal felony to possess and use marijuana. Although Congress has consistently every year prohibited the use of federal resources to prosecute marijuana. Mar- marijuana offenses in states where marijuana has at least been legalized for medicinal purposes. So we are kind of living in the twilight zone because an employer in New Jersey is being required to accommodate something that, strictly speaking, is still a federal felony. And this
0: might be diving way into the deep end of the pool too. And uh, you know, I'm totally with you. State state law versus federal law, definitely something that comes up a great deal in employment practices and human resources. But you know, mm-hmm. things like you know CBD, you know the cannabidiol, the, the you know the d- derivative of cannabis. Right?
1: Mm-hmm. You
0: get you can buy it allegedly in every store out there. It's, it's over the counter basically. So, you know, it's, it's, it's just crazy how certain aspects of of a plant are cool over the counter. And then the other aspects are still kind of taboo, but losing some of the the taboo viewpoint, but it's, it's, it's bound to create just crazy questions moving forward.
1: Right. True. And, and um, also it's worth noting that the New Jersey law law was just passed. Uh, also, uh, has a provision that says nothing here changes an employer's obligation to maintain a safe workplace. So uh, on the <laughs> one hand, we're supposed to accommodate. On the other hand, we're supposed to keep the workplaces safe. So, uh, so, so a big part of
0: my methodology, and we're going to take a quick break in just a second. But, you know, I say the first decade of my professional life was learning all the nuts and bolts and the technical aspects and, you know, really what to do. The last you know, decade or so has really been a lot more about it's not what you say. It's how you say it. And I think that's very applicable to this discussion, especially as it relates to human capital management. You have to be able to tell the story appropriately and relay the appropriate messaging to set expectations. So we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna be right back with Stephen Trimbley, founding member of Trimbley and Prusinowski LLC. Stay with us.
2: You're listening to Talk Radio NYC, uplift, educate, empower.
0: back to Always Friday with me Stephen Fry your SMB guy we're talking with Stephen Trimbley founding member of Trimbley and Prusznowski a uh, law firm located in Morristown New Jersey as well as New York City focused on employment and labor law Steve we're going to dive into the madness that you see on a day-to-day basis this is the more of the observational part of the show the artistic viewpoint stories that you have from the field no subject to taboo anything goes Uh, Obviously, we wouldn't want you to compromise client confidentiality, and I know you're very conscious of things like that. You know, one thing that I was reading along the way, you know, before we got to talking here today was, you know, from one of the articles, it said very simply, the employment-related provisions of recreational marijuana bills are proving contentious, Mm -hmm. and <laughs> it's it's probably an understatement for you and what you see out there, but you know let's let's get into it. What is some of the madness that you're seeing out there as it relates to this subject that's traditionally been taboo now norma- now more mainstream? Um,
1: certainly, as uh, employers are learning and struggling to try to figure out how best to implement this, one area of, of concern is the workplace impairment recognition expert that under the law as it currently stands is uh, going to be a requirement in order to take corrective action against someone who's impaired from cannabis. But already there are three bills pending in the legislature to amend this. Two of the bills would eliminate the requirement altogether. The other bill would clarify one aspect of the, of the, uh, of the recreational uh, cannabis law in this respect, as it stands now, There is no uh, workplace impairment recognition expert until the the Cannabis Regulatory Commission creates the program, determines how to certify these experts, and starts certifying them. This uh, clarifying bill would allow police officers who are certified as drug recognition experts to immediately serve as workplace impairment recognition experts, so at least the employers would have somewhere to turn once uh, cannabis becomes lawful. That's one area that we're monitoring. And I I should point out that we have not in any way seen the last word on recreational marijuana in New Jersey. Not only do we need the Cannabis Review Commission to come up with a set of regulations, but the legislature is already actively proposing bills to amend and clarify the law they just passed. There's a 50 page bill pending that would clarify and explain and quote correct certain aspects of the uh, recreational marijuana law this correction bill was introduced before the marijuana bill was even signed into law so <laughs> this is a work in progress very much a work in progress and we are going to have to keep monitoring it very closely so that's one area of craziness i see out there uh, another area which you touched on earlier is workers compensation under medical marijuana it was a uh, close uh, closely argued issue whether a employer or the employer's workers' comp carrier could be forced to reimburse the cost of medical marijuana. Um, There were experts who were testifying in individual cases that employees were benefiting from it. In one case, that went up to the state Supreme Court, and I think this is an important consideration. The expert testified, look, the patient was becoming addicted to opioids. Using uh, medical marijuana not only treats his pain, but allows him to uh, recover from the opioid addiction, and the uh, employer and the carrier were arguing, well, wait a minute, it's still illegal under federal law. And the Supreme Court, uh, within the past two weeks, held that the carrier and the employer had to reimburse the cost of medical marijuana because it was deemed to be a valid treatment. Uh, the state a medical marijuana law did not exempt workers' comp carriers. And the court reasoned, as long as the federal government continues to take the position that it will not allow the use of federal funds to prosecute medical marijuana states and medical marijuana use within those states the the, uh, prohibition has been partially exempted for medical marijuana use and therefore there's no conflict between state and federal law so uh employers are now going to have to anticipate that in appropriate cases medical marijuana use will need to be reimbursed uh, it may work to their benefit if it's, if it's less costly than uh, prescription painkillers, uh, but that's now going to be part of their package. And it's going to be interesting when we deal with uh, CDO holders, because on the one hand, if they're injured on the job, the workers' comp court can order reimbursement of medical marijuana, where, whereas the federal law requires that they not be allowed to perform safety-sensitive functions until they're cleared of marijuana use. So that's going to be an interesting contradiction. Um, Another area that we are going to see that's going to raise concern are background checks because the criminal law reforms dealing with marijuana also includes uh, a provision banning employers from inquiring of job applicants or taking adverse action against applicants or employees based solely on certain marijuana or cannabis criminal convictions on that person's record or arrests or charges. Uh, that's going to require substantial rewriting of uh, employment applications, particularly follow-up applications, since in New Jersey you can't ask about criminal histories on the, in the initial interview. And it's also going to um, uh, affect the way employers conduct background checks. There are exceptions for law enforcement, corrections, uh, judiciary, and homeland security, and emergency management and personnel. But for the private sector, this is going to now become the rule this prohibition is going to take effect by my cal- calculation on July 1, and employers need to start to take this into account now. Uh, other areas of concern uh, for law enforcement agency, for police departments, it is still um, a federal law that somebody, who, that a marijuana user or a cannabis user is limited in his or her ability to carry and possess a weapon. And if a police officer can't possess a weapon, a police officer cannot serve. It is still, as of this morning, policy in New Jersey, policy issued by the New Jersey Attorney General, that police officers must, there's random testing for police officers on an annual basis. There's reasonable suspicion testing for police officers. And if an officer tests positive for, among other things, marijuana, that officer is uh, subject to termination and his name or her name is put on a no hire list there's a question whether that continues to be the case with the recreational marijuana law which is inconsistent on this point on the one hand you are exempt from any penalty pertaining to your profession but on the other hand the statute very clearly says that no state law pertaining to employment matters is in any way altered or affected by the recreational marijuana statute so if a, it's a interesting question and we and one that we're going to have to work through to see what happens if a police officer off-duty uses recreational marijuana and test positive. Because as it now stands, that officer is subject to termination. And the other area that we have seen of concern is the rewriting of personnel policies. To take this into account, as I said, um, most of the drug testing law uh, policies that exist now were based on the law as it existed in the past. And marijuana was considered an illegal substance just like any other. Those policies are going to need to be rewritten. The uh, medical marijuana three-day review period I mentioned earlier is going to have to be incorporated. The, uh, and the prohibitions against discrimination against cannabis users or cannabis non-users are, are also going to have to be incorporated. And it's going to be interesting to see how that law plays out because as, is it, as it is written, the use of cannabis or the non-use of cannabis is now a protected category in New Jersey employment. And you can conceivably bring a discrimination claim based on uh, the fact that you don't use cannabis as well as the fact that you do. Um, Because it applies to any term and condition of employment, including a work environment, we can conceivably have hostile work environment claims brought by people who claim that they're being abused in the workplace because they decline to partake of cannabis. So those are all human resource issues that we're going to have to deal with in terms of policy, in terms of workplace training, and in terms of counseling our respective clients with respect to this uh, emerging area of law.
0: I mean, it's I feel like this
1: could this could
0: go on all day. There's so many variances and variables that could stem from this 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 basic issue that's happening. And you know, I want to go back to the you know the policies and the training and the you know continual monitoring of this type of situation. Something you had said before, you know, police officers that have drug recognition training and operate canine units and what have you, it seems like they're gonna have kind of an easy path to you know, be certified, if you will, as a workplace impairment recognition expert. But, you know, what about the other types of folks out there, employment attorneys, human resources, outsourcing firms, human resources, consulting firms, you know, are, are there, you know, do you see that on the horizon that people who are trusted advisors to small, medium sized business, like yourself, and like other folks that I would interview and work with on a regular basis, do you see them needing to take a more active role in specializing in this?
1: Right. Potentially, yes. We need to see what the regulations are that the CRC comes up with and what qualifications they ask for. But the statute itself simply says it can be an outside professional, can even be an employee of the company. Uh, You can send your HR uh, manager for training conceivably. But again, it depends on what the CRC decides to do. It depends on whether any of these uh, pending bills are passed. But so the answer to your question is potentially yes, but I can't give you a positive answer because the Cannabis uh, Regulatory Commission has just been fully appointed, just had its initial meeting. You'll be happy to hear it chose its emblem, but in terms of the more substantive areas, those are still under development Uh, by statute. They are supposed to have the regulations in place by August 31st of this year. We will see.
0: Yeah, I agree. We will definitely see, and it's, you know, again, ready, ready, fire, aim is not the way that I like to do things. And I imagine you don't either, especially because you said early on, you know, an ounce of profession is worth a pound of cure or <laughs> yeah. So something along those lines. I love the thought process there and very much in agreement. You know, HR, you know, by nature is you want to be proactive as opposed to reactive. And that's that's the name of the game. Again, it's kind of tough here because there's not much to work from. It's you know, using best practices. It, there's not much that's been established, even as you just said with the CRC, it's not really there yet. So there's not much in the way of guidance on, on what to do, but you know, kind of like we said towards the beginning, there are a couple of best practices, not the least of which is to talk to someone like yourself who's you know very, very familiar with this. So we're gonna, we're gonna take a quick break before we wrap everything up here today. Great conversation, great insights into what's going on, especially in the state of New Jersey. Uh, we're going to be right back with Steve Trimbley, uh, founder, founding member of Trimbley and Prusnowski, right here on Always Friday. Stay with us.
2: You're listening to Talk Radio NYC Uplift, Educate, Empower.
0: Welcome back to Always Friday with me, Stephen Fry, your SMB guy. We're talking with Stephen Trimbley, founding member of Trimbley and Prusinowski, employment and labor law firm with offices in Marstown, New Jersey, as well as New York City. Uh, if you guys like small, medium sized business related discussions, stay with talkradio.nyc. Coming up right after Always Friday is the entrepreneurial web with Jeremiah Fox. Bound to get some great pearls of wisdom from Jeremiah. But uh, let's bring it home here today, Steve. We're going to get right into the messaging part of the show here today. So when we wrap up, things up. We really want folks to get some weekend insight to make a real Monday impact. What can people do on Monday along the lines of what we've been discussing today that will really help the end game? And one big thought that I had on this, you know, as I was thinking about it is, you know, and I think you would agree as an employer, you don't want to dabble in how to effectively manage your human capital. You Mm -hmm. want there to be method behind the madness. Mm -hmm. Only trouble is right now that the methods are still kind of in that ever-evolving, not sure what best practice is, not sure what the proper methodology is. But Steve, take us home here. Like what what can people take away you know over the weekend to really make an impact come Monday morning so they could feel better prepared for what's going to hit them in the upcoming months?
1: Right. I think there's four things that you need to uh, think about over the weekend and be prepared to deal with in, in uh, Monday and in the coming weeks. Uh, the first and foremost, decide whether... the testing for uh, for cannabis is worth the cost or effort. If you are subject to federal regulations, still you have no choice in that area, but other employers who are not uh, need to decide. Uh, I am told that in California, the majority of employers or a substantial number of employers do not even bother testing for marijuana anymore because it's so commonplace and it doesn't really affect their, their workplace. Uh, so. That's an initial decision one needs to make. Do you want to go through the cost and expense of training or obtaining a a workplace impairment recognition expert uh, when uh, you may not need it, or you may not uh, feel it's necessary? On the other hand, if you have safety concerns, then it is worth the cost. That's the first thing I would say. Second, as I mentioned earlier, we have not seen or heard the last word on this subject. Uh, there are bills pending, there are regulations that are on their way. Keep abreast of developments and/or develop a method for keeping abreast of developments so that when, so that when uh, the de- deadlines hit and the law takes effect, you are in some ways prepared to deal with it. Um, third, um, align with people who are knowledgeable about the uh, evolving law in this area, whether it's an attorney like myself, whether it's an expert like uh, Mr. Frye. Um, don't try to do it all yourself. Keep, have people on board that will uh, advise you, that will help you address your policies, who, will keep, who are keeping track of the evolving law in this area uh, and uh, follow their advice. And the fourth point, the final thing I would leave everybody with is act now. We are in something of a phase-in period. uh, And uh, you'd be well advised to be proactive and start planning now, start thinking ahead now, start having human resources, analyze the issue now, rather than waiting until the last minute and having to scramble, or worse yet, not be in compliance when these laws really kick in. So those would be the four points that I think somebody should ruminate about over the weekend. and uh, be prepared to deal with in the coming weeks
0: Uh, That is a phenomenal way to sum all of this up steve really do appreciate it and and those are fairly actionable types of items and i like that the way that you set it up A lot of it does stem from having just the right people around you like yourself. So I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming on the show today. Before we let everyone get back to the rest of their Friday, I did want to revisit my favorite three questions with you so we could have some quick fun with everybody. So once again, who is your favorite movie or TV show character? What is your favorite movie or TV show? And what is your favorite musical instrument? And who is the artist you'd like to hear play it? I was, I kept waiting for some type of cannabis related movie that I've seen in recent decades to come up here, but uh, no, no such luck. We did uh, get a couple of answers that I haven't had before. So excited to share these with you guys. So, Mr. Trimbley's favorite TV show character, and I'm a big John Cleese fan, so I like this. Yeah. is basil faulty from faulty towers so for those of you out there who have never heard of this show I, this was new for me although i do like john cleese it ran from 1975 to 1979 john cleese main character once again he plays hotel owner basil faulty and his incompetence short views and arrogance tend to form a combination that ensures accidents and trouble are never far away and one of the pictures i have up here right now is with a. Uh, good old Mr. Basil, recovering in the hospital from his most recent accident. So, mm-hmm. Steve, has, I couldn't help myself. I had to put your face on there. But uh, that was cool. Now you've definitely motivated me to go check out some of the previous episodes and whatnot. It's definitely one that I was not familiar with. And, uh, Steve, you should know that wherever I have a chance to, I do like to join the guest in some of the pictures here and there. So I forgot. What was the, what was this, uh, the guy who was a waiter in the... In the- Manuel. Manuel, right? Thank He's you. From no. Barcelona,
1: that's a running <laughs> game. Yeah.
0: Manuel, the waiter in the in in the hotel, that's me. Yeah. So,
1: just to say, this was broadcast on public television in the mid 1970s, right after Monty Python uh, went off the air, and this was a uh, Cleese's next program. So, uh, if you're a Monty Python fan, you'll be a fan of this show too. And uh, I I wrote just in my notes here. I was like, it
0: seems kind of fitting because. Really, the employment world, like like in the employment law and labor law world, it can definitely seem like Monty Python's flying circus at any given time. So, love the thought.
1: And by the way, as an employment law uh, tie-in, if uh, you want to model yourself on an employer, watch what Basil Fawlty does and do the opposite.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Love it. So, favorite movie or TV show? Uh, we went with a movie on this one. Favorite movie, Roman Polanski's 1974 Chinatown. Film about a private detective hired to expose an adulterer, finds himself caught up in a web of deceit, corruption and murder. And uh, I, I actually I'm sorry to say I haven't seen this one yet, but the the line, forget it, Jake, it's Chinatown. I have, I have heard that line uttered in a, in a bunch of different forums, so I couldn't help but you know put myself in a picture right there alongside of you. But yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I have a lot of work to do after this show here today. I got a lot of stuff I got to watch. So, <laughs> uh, get getting on to the musical side of things. Uh, you know, something I learned about Steve in our discussions here is he's a big fan of playing the trumpet from from way back when. So he gave me a couple of answers to the question here that I wasn't necessarily expecting. But uh, one one of the, uh, the the names that he rattled off as far as phenomenal trumpet players, he did say Louis Armstrong. Armstrong, So I couldn't, couldn't hesitate, but to put your face on the Armstrong. So one there, <laughs> one there. Um, and then you gave me a name that I, I, the spelling that I wrote down had to be so far off from how it was actually spelled Bix Beiterbeck. Yeah. And you, you got to tell us a little bit about this guy. I, I know he was playing the trumpet in the twenties and thirties, but you know, this is, tell me about this guy.
1: Uh, he was a young man who grew up in Iowa. Um, along the Mississippi river and heard the jazz musicians from new Orleans, like Louis Armstrong, who at the time were playing on the river boats that plied up and down the river and was uh, enthralled by the music and got into it himself. And, uh, interestingly, he played in Chicago at the same time that Armstrong was playing. And there was some talk that late at night they would meet secretly in abandoned warehouses and play together because obviously back at that time, a white player and a black player could not play together. Uh, He became famous in his own right. He uh, played with uh, uh, well-known jazz orchestras. Tragically, however, he had a drinking problem and died in Queens, New York in his early 30s.
0: Yeah, no, I did see that as well. That was definitely a new name for me, so I had to I had to get it out here and get a little story going on it. And then the one that I did expect to hear eventually, there was an honorable mention for Dizzy Gillespie. So couldn't help myself; had to put your face out there, Steve. Once again, really appreciate you being with us here today on the show. Uh, if you need to get in touch, you for having me. You know, It's my pleasure. Great topic of discussion. I'm sure there's going to be more to come. You guys need to get in touch with a kick-ass employment and labor law firm, especially if you have questions surrounding impending legislation with recreational and medicinal cannabis. Get in touch with Steve. Again, offices in New York and New Jersey. Got some contact information for him here. You can find him on the internet. He's definitely there. Uh, wanted to throw something out there real quick. If you guys have you know, interest and questions around small, medium-sized business and cannabis-related topics. If you uh, are watching out there, my buddy John Colavito, also known as Johnny Tsunami, I had uh, interviewed him second episode this year. We're collaborating on a project that's going to be launched shortly right here on talkradio.nyc to, no pun intended, blow away some of the smoke surrounding the cannabis industries and opportunities with businesses that are out there. Uh, it's going to be called Planet Pākālolo. Pākālolo means... Uh, crazy tobacco in Hawaiian. So stay tuned for more of that. Uh, Next week, we're going to be talking with Alan Goldberg, franchise consultant at FranLink. Uh, He's going to be talking to us about which franchise is for you. He likes to play matchmaker, matching the right person with the right business model. So until next week, we hope you gain some weekend insight to make a Monday impact. I'm Stephen Fry, your SMB guy. Looking forward to chatting with you guys again next week. Have a great weekend, everybody.
2: Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day.
0: Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the Nonprofit Sector Connector, coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Hi,
2: I'm Graham Dobbin. Join me every Thursday evening for the mind behind leadership here on talkradio.nyc. We speak to people from business, sport, military, and politics, all around what makes a great leader. The personal experiences of what's worked and, maybe more importantly, what hasn't worked. So, that's 7 o'clock every Thursday evening. The Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. Listen to real stories of real leaders. Hi, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Wise Content, Makes Wealth.